take up space. I don't know if that resonates with anyone, but one of the biggest challenges for me has been just realizing it's okay to take up space. Like it's okay to say what you what you want. I think that's that might have been one of the biggest challenges for me and a unique challenge to being transgender or non-binary is you have to ask for how you want to be treated. You have to tell others, you know, and I think that's a unique part of, you know, and it's definitely unique for, for the community as well, but definitely in my experience was, I just had to get comfortable with taking up space, saying, I'm Hannah, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Great to meet you. And kind of going out there and like <laughs> planting my flag, which I was so uncomfortable with because I never had to do that at any point in my life. How we doing out there, folks? This is your host with the most, Kenny Vaughn, director of Breakline Apex, and I am so glad that you are joining us here in the Breakline Arena for another episode. As you know, this is a place where we come to share stories from industry experts, thought leaders, and our Breakline alumni. And today, I'm just excited because we have a special treat in celebration of Pride Month we are here with two of my new fave breakliners. I hadn't got a chance to meet them before. We did a little prep work for this conversation, but even in the brief conversation that we had, I'm gonna let y'all know right now, y'all in for a special treat because we are here with Hannah and Heather Gallagher. First and foremost, thank y'all both for being here. Can, I, can we just start by saying that? Thank y'all for being here. Y'all are on vacation. Y'all are taking time away out of your busy schedules. To, 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 to share your story with the Breakline community. Cause so can we just start with a thank you? Is that our, is that appropriate? <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you for having us. Yeah, I don't know how we follow that smooth introduction. We probably smell, sound like screeching brakes right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I wish our listeners could see you both right now because you, you have the beach hats on, you look very relaxed. I hear it sounds like the ocean in the background. So like, I feel like all of us could use a little bit more of what you have in your lives right now. So yeah, in all seriousness, thank you for being here. I'm just excited to dive right into it. So just for a little bit of context, I would love to start by hearing you two share a little bit more about your family. I know we are here in celebration of Pride Month, but for all of our listeners who are tuning in, would love to hear from you all first if you could give us a little bit more insight into your family. Yeah, if you want to yeah. start off with our story. Yeah. So again, I'm Hannah. Um, Heather and I met um, actually right when we were doing Marine Corps officer training in 2011. Um, at the very beginning, when we were at the basic school in Quantico, Virginia, the beginning of our relationship was like basically just getting away from the military and like going to restaurants and whenever we could and just kind of like experiencing our friendship together and then we really kind of were together from there on we did long distance through multiple deployments and we heather got out in 2015 and we actually got married just before heather got out and that's when heather actually did break line 
and I stayed in for another four years and Heather took a job with PayPal and we kept doing, you know, Heather was out, but we kept doing long distance as she was working for PayPal in San Jose. I ended up getting out in late 2018. And that's also when I did break line as a legacy admission, riding the coattails of Heather. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we got out. I ended up working for Facebook right after getting out and we had our first child in January of 2019, like right around when I started at Facebook, mm -hmm. Bill. And so two big transitions. Yeah. First time parents. <laughs> so can I, can I, can I pause real quick? Cause first off, I got to thank y'all both for y'all service. I got to thank you for your service as someone who is coming from a dual military family as well. I know the challenges of being dual military uh, and the demands of service. So first, just want to thank you both for your service. But I also want to hear a little bit, you, you, both, you both are tremendously humble. I'm going to start by saying that because, um, Heather, I know that you actually were the first breakliner to, to go through the program and, and land a role at one of our partner companies. So you're a trailblazer in that front. But I also I also want to hear a little bit more about this first interaction. My wife was was in the military when we met, so I want to hear a little bit more about this story. I need some insight. I need the tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing I want to start off that right. Like, we weren't looking for love, and I feel like that's always that's always the funny thing about this, right? Is that you're you're there to serve, you're there to do your job, you just wanted to show up and give your best performance each and every day. But love always happens to find you. You know what I mean? Like I feel like my there was something written out for us in the stars, and you know, Hannah was my person, and no matter what, <laughs> we were gonna figure out a way to to be together. And so our initial it's very funny. Our initial interaction was actually Heather didn't remember who I was. I didn't was. remember who I yeah. um. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is, this is before Hannah transitioned. So yeah, I, I just didn't read the description of this podcast. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm a transgender woman. And at the time, Heather said when she met me, she lost me in a sea of white men um, at Marine Corps <laughs> training. And all, I mean, all the same, you know, shaved heads, yeah. you know, same, you know, chiseled jawlines and disgruntled faces, right? Like kind of staring off you as you see, but- uh, I got confused for other white blonde men in training too. So yeah. I got confused <laughs> you. But the fact that she couldn't really recall my face really just kind of like took me down a notch and that you kind of had me there. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, so, so yeah. you, know, I gotta, you know, I gotta ask the vice versa. So. Hannah, for you, did you remember Heather from your training? Was was she someone who stuck out to you or how did that whole situation unfold? I mean, I actually, <laughs> I actually, I remembered Heather from very early on in training. So for those that aren't familiar with it, when you go through Marine Corps officer training back then, the only integrated training with women and men at the time, I believe, was officer training in Quantico, Virginia. Mm -hmm. So there were female platoons alongside male platoons. And so we actually interacted at officer candidate school, which at the time was different, the enlisted experience. And so I actually remembered Heather from that, you know, Heather's. <laughs> and I had no idea you existed. I remember Heather like <laughs> kicking down the door to our barracks room and like demanding rifle counts and like screaming <laughs> at these other candidates. And I was like, who is this? You know, but it's kind of interesting because like that was my, you know, and this was kind of a theme throughout our experience, not especially in training, but throughout our relationship was like Heather was kind of like my window into 
being one of the only or one of the few out of a large group of people, uh, mm. her being a woman. And so that was really interesting because I picked her out, you know, like she's so easy to, to recognize. And then even throughout the everyone, I mean, you joke around all the time about how people will still walk up to you and be like, oh, like Holcomb. And you're like, yeah. And it, at the time, it's just like they just weren't that many um, women. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a strange transition for me um, going into the military. And it was such a defining aspect of my military experience was being, you know, either an only or, or one of the few. Um, so can can we can we unpack that a little bit more because i think as a woman in the marine corps what what led you to the marines can you share a little bit more insight into your your childhood your upbringing what drew you to service i would love if you could just give a little more insight for our listeners there yeah yeah so i grew up was raised in a small town small suburb of dallas texas called flower mound Texas, and we literally had a flower mound um, <laughs> that the city was surrounded by. And we, yeah, my, both my parents served in the Marine Corps, actually. So my father uh, was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, and my mother served in the 70s as an air traffic controller. And her brother is also active duty. And my brother currently. now is currently, yeah. So we are a family a of, Marines. of Marines. It didn't start off that way, though. So my parents completed their service before they got married. And then they got married and moved to this little area of Texas and had kids and I think had no intent on their children, both becoming Marines and falling in their footsteps. But for me, they'd always spoken so fondly of their service and it was such a founding aspect of their, not only of their careers and their professional journeys, but of really them as like them as people. I feel like it was so foundational to their character. And so as much as they tried to encourage me and give me all the opportunities that they themselves didn't have, I always felt like I always had a calling to service of some kind. And to me, the Marines, it was, that was the, the branch of service that I felt like I was least likely to get into. And so I was, <laughs> it was like, I always had to go for the hardest thing. I always needed to choose the hardest path. And growing up a girl in Texas, um, especially, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you're too pretty to join the Marines or you're too small <laughs> to do this. Or like, you're too, you know, whatever it is. And like, you know, girls don't do this or, or you know, girls like you don't do this. And the more of that I heard, I think the more it fueled me to go in that direction, much to my parents' disappointment. But they, you know, it was the kind of thing where it, I always, it was always the the long-term plan. And even though I explored and tried to be open-minded through college and explore different other avenues, I always just kept coming back to that. And I knew that I needed to at least apply and, you know, go to OCS and see if I had what it takes. And like, I, I really thought like, oh, I'm going to go. You know, I'm gonna give it my best, but like I wasn't planning for a full career in the military. Like I, not that I was planning to fail, because you don't plan to fail, but like I was so ready to be humbled by the experience and just be able to walk away and say, hey, at least I, at least I tried. So every win I had in the Marine Corps, from OCS graduation, I mean, even from like being accepted into, into the program, you know, graduation commissioning 
graduation from TBS, graduation from MOS school, my first platoon, like everything was such a huge celebration for me personally, because that, that little girl with everyone telling them, you know, you're not, you're, <laughs> you're too small, you're too pretty, you're too whatever to do this. You know, for me, it's, I celebrated all of those wins as that little girl who everyone said that she couldn't do it. So yeah, it was, so for me, I was so, so intense, <laughs> brought all that fire and intensity to OCS. Yeah, mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, in addition to being one of the few women, you know, in, in relatively speaking, I also think that my, uh, my stature compared to my fire, right, <laughs> really had me standing out. Um, so what I love about that, what I love about that story is a, just the perseverance, because I think there are so many times in life where people want to put us in boxes. They want to tell us what we can and what we can't do, the things we can and can't accomplish. And just to hear the resiliency that you demonstrated along your journey to achieve and to work towards the goals that you've been able to accomplish. And I just want to reiterate for our listeners, you, you both are tremendously humble folks because, you know, I've, I've gotten a little bit of additional insight into both of your stories and, you know, just to hear the work ethic that you've demonstrated, you know, working through college, doing all the things you had to do to make the goals and the ends meet. It's tremendously inspiring. So I appreciate you sharing and I, and I thank you for kind of giving us some additional insight into what led you to serve. Hannah, how about you? What, what led you to, to, to want to serve from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, it's, I grew up in a, a little bit of a different family, no Marines. Uh, however, my grandfather was a pilot and intelligence officer, um, in the Navy during the cold war. He got out and retired as a captain and growing up, I just was really surrounded by a lot of like history of world war two. Vietnam and these different, you know, these different glimpses into America's past and armed conflict. And more than anything, I think I saw the life, the, the life that it granted my, you know, in my, is on my father's side. So just moving around, getting to experience different cultures, different worlds. I didn't really understand that that wouldn't be my experience in the Marine Corps as the same as like a naval attache. But still, like, I think it was very, it was very influential at a young age. And it kind of primed me, to be honest, for experiencing September 11th, you know, when I was in high school. And mm. I think that kind of secured, you know, the, for me that I saw an impactful future. I saw an impactful opportunity to either join federal service or, you know, join the military. And so I, I went to college, I was fortunate enough to be able to, to go to university I grew up in Los Angeles. It wasn't very common to see folks go into the military there. Out of the high school that I came out of, there are some folks that do, but it was and really not super common. We had an ROTC program either out of University of Colorado at Boulder. However, uh, I spent a year after college. I really wanted to understand really kind of part of the landscape in Middle East, North Africa, where our conflicts have been playing out for years and years and years, where we had troops for deployed, investing a lot of money. And so I actually moved to Beirut and did grad school and worked in journalism. And, that, and from there, I, after doing that and kind of being in academia, I was really like, okay, <laughs> I, I'm writing about things, I'm seeing things, it was very fascinating, but I, I knew then that it was time for me to apply 
and try to try to go into the service. And so actually I ran, I ran my fitness test at the, at the embassy and got my application in and everything and actually found out within three weeks, I, I went out, I found out I was actually in Quantico at training and that's kind of how I ended up in the military. And really, I think what, what pushed me to the Marines was, you know, I kind of came at it from a different perspective. And I think it says a lot about how, you know, how we grew up in the environment that we're in and what we're told. My perspective was more like, I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't let people down. People expect me to be successful here. Mm. Like, they should, like I, I really should be, I really should be perfect going through this. And I think it's a combination of, of a lot of things, both physical, mental, emotional. But yeah, so I think it, it, it was really interesting for me to see, to experience kind of the initial phases of the military alongside Heather and how we dealt with adversity, different kinds of adversity. Between the two of us, it was really quite contrasting. Things that were hard for me, where Heather was amazing at, things that were hard for Heather, like were really things that I had kind of been celebrated for early in my life, whether it was sports or, you know, being athletic or running fast, doing all that stuff. So I think it, I think it was really a testament looking back to like, oh my gosh, this is why we need all kinds of people. Like, this is why we need more types of people serving within the military is because everyone brings their own strengths. Yeah. It was really interesting because, you know, I, I would walk into, or, you know, Hannah would walk into a room, especially as a cis white male and with a very chiseled jawline looking like he just stepped off a Marine Corps recruiting poster. And, you know, everyone would think like, he, before he even opened his mouth, like, that guy's got leadership, that guy's got it, like, I don't know what it is, but that guy's got it, right? And I would walk into the room, five foot four, you know, and a 115 pounds soaking wet, and they'd be like, uh, I don't, I don't know, that's not what I was thinking, you know, and we'd have to both in our own ways, work through that and overcome that. And it was, that was always contrasting, like, I think that, you know, throughout, checking into new units, checking into new schools, going through trainings and going through that experience, we were we were always trying to navigate. And, and I think having seen the other person's perspective and how they were navigating those challenges, it's like, I, I don't know, it was, for me, I don't me, think it we was, had the name for, I don't think we were using the word privilege as, as in the same way that it's, yeah. it's entered our conversation today, but that's exactly at least how I experienced yeah. it. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us? I mean, be, I mean, I guess I would in this context in, in the military, in, in my own experience, speaking for myself, I think I've heard the term around like being able to be as visible or invisible as you want and turn it on and turn it off is, is one of the, you know, is how I would talk about one of the aspects of privilege that, that I had while I was in while I was in the Marine Corps. I mean, just walking in a room and, you know, walking in a room and just like looking like everyone else, or especially like, I mean, it, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to discuss almost. It's, it's probably, it's difficult, but I think that I really saw it when I heard the way that people in my workplace were discussing women in the force and then going home and talking to Heather, you know, mm -hmm. and hearing about the things that were often said um, in different circles that may not be said again somewhere else. And so an aspect of that is like being able to float between every single circle in a workplace and having that, having that mobility 
is just like another another example of privilege. I feel like I'm not explaining this very well as far You're as- You're doing an outstanding job. <laughs> You're doing but, an outstanding job. And I, I think I think a huge part of this has to deal with, with social identity, right? And the way that the world perceives us and the, and the way that we perceive the world. And I think it's super insightful that as we're having this conversation, that is one of the words that was top of mind is having that perspective where you're able to empathize. You are able to put yourself in the shoes of your fellow service members because you're coming from two very unique experiences. And I think that's one of the cool things that I love to celebrate about dual military couples as well is, you know, you, you're able to, in a very deep and meaningful way, understand the good, the bad, and the ugly of what it means to be a part of a team. And I think being able to bring those perspectives into different places and spaces makes us such more impactful and thoughtful leaders. So I appreciate you taking the time to pause us there because I think it's important as we talk about things like diversity, as we talk about things like inclusion, there's a real impact with all of these experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling we we could just be scratching the surface on all of the emotional and the and the spiritual things that go on having to navigate these spaces. So I appreciate you just unpacking that a little bit more for us and would love to hear what, what led you all to transition because both of you all are brake liners. Both of you all have pivoted successfully into the tech industry and would kind of love to hear what led from that chapter of military service into brake line and then into the tech industry. Yeah, since I transitioned first, I'll go first. So when I joined the Marine Corps, I was, again, just so honored to just be there. And, you know, it was the kind of like, I, I wrote a blank check and was like, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. Throughout TPS, when we were going through and selecting our preferences at the time for our um, military occupational specialties, I knew I wanted to leave Marines. I knew I wanted to leave Marines. And at the, the mixer, we were meeting folks from different areas, you know, there was a really salty communications officer who I think was in putting everyone else off to it. And, and for, you know, for me, again, I'm going towards the hardest, I'm always trying to find that, <laughs> that most difficult path, but that, that officer said, you will absolutely be guaranteed a platoon of Marines if you go as a communication officer and every unit has, you know, needs one. And so it was the kind of thing that it, it just looked like opportunities abound. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm the kind of person that can, you know, I'm usually banging on my printer during midterms in college, like just trying to get it to work <laughs> 10 minutes before it's due, right? <laughs> like, I was like, I am not, I was like the least techie person, but at the same time, I was like, I want, I want to lead Marines. I, I want to have that experience. And because it wasn't a super popular uh, <laughs> occupational specialty, uh, MOS, I got it. And when I showed up, they were like, you know what, this is, it was, it was very technical. It was really difficult, but they were like, we're going to train you. And just like every other step, you know, I kind of felt like I had gotten myself in too deep, but I was just going to take it one step at a time and went through training and fell, fell in love with it, fell in love with the type of Marines 
that were drawn to that area. I mean, technical Marines that had, I mean, there were incredible stories of, of men and women and all sorts of people who had come from nothing and then taught themselves how to code, taught themselves how to configure servers and they were doing it in the most extreme conditions that the technology was never designed to do. And yet we were here, we are as Marines really pushing the limits, not only on the lifespan of the equipment, but on what the technology could do. And for me- And when you, when you say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you say extreme conditions, are you talking about like overheated office building? Like what, what are you talking about when you say extreme conditions? Oh, I'm conditions? talking like overheated tents in the middle of a desert, like trying okay. to get working in a dust storm. And then, you know, on top of that, managing expectations that our communications network and that our network architecture would perform at the same level of your iPhone, right? And even though we were working with equipment that was older and fielded before I was born <laughs> and trying to manage those expectations. So truly on every level from, you know, the type of operations and the type of support we were having to provide where lives were on the line to, you know, doing that that kind of, that kind of service, providing that kind of service uh, in a physical environment that it was never, never designed for. Um, so yeah, on both levels, it was uh, very extreme. So we had, it was the fun part about our experience too, was like, number one, I got to brag on you for a minute. I love this. Let's have it. <laughs> I just going to say like, I, because like, I felt like it was mine to mess up and folks expected me to succeed and be, you know, and be in the Marine Corps and be like in the top of things. Like I, th I just have to call, I had somewhat of an entitlement to what I was owed as an experience out of it. And Heather like had just like, was just like gushing with gratitude that she had an opportunity to serve and that she would get it in any capacity. And it was so important and so grounding for me as someone who had just been kind of like trying to achieve my whole life and looking at that. And like, I mean, we, I feel like at the time we make fun of it and say, oh, you're so motivated or you're so moto, but like, it was really something pure and something really amazing that I think it's a humility that you've brought to like everything that you've gotten. And I think it really goes a long way. And it was something that I always really respected about you. Done bragging about you. Now I'm going to make fun of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the fun part too is like we got to cross paths a lot. Not a lot, but like we would be on like a field exercise. We were never deployed at the same time, but because I was in I was in aviation and she was part of a, a, a comm unit supporting aviation, like sometimes we'd cross paths or like we'd be in a big brief and Heather would just be carrying around this giant binder. <laughs> the most overprepared officer <laughs> probably in the core. Like and it was just like so fun to see you like walking around with this binder that it looked like was 25 pounds I, wherever you yeah. went no matter the the, the desolate environment. <laughs> and usually like usually I don't want to say yelling but like <laughs> motivating <I> people. Was, <laughs> I was I I was again I loved it. I loved it. I loved I loved my Marines. I loved the technology. I loved the problems that we were cool. solving. Like, I mean, being able to see how the communications architectures we were able to 
design and 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 literally build in the middle of nowhere how that not only enabled the mission but it at times saved lives and it it was it was so it was so fun it's 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 so fun in a way that i will always always be grateful for and it i mean that's what sparked my interest in tech was yeah. was that experience and i'm so incredibly grateful that salty combo was was scaring away the other lieutenants at that mixer because <laughs> I I was like yes I want to do this I want to like this sounds hard this sounds interesting this I get to leave Marines like yes let's do this and it was incredible and it was so I learned so much that has been foundational for my career but it also has been foundational for my character through that experience and so when when I had served four years, I was coming up, I had been career designated and was looking to either renew my contract or, you know, move on to the to the next big adventure. And when I was really looking at what was ahead of me, I was more scared about leaving the military than staying in. Mm. And again, that was I'm always choosing the harder path. And the fact that it scared me, I was like, oh, then that's the right choice for me. I need to do this. And I, yeah, and, and I knew if I was going to do tech, like, I wanted to do tech. Like, I wanted to do big tech. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to go to where everything was happening, Silicon Valley. You know, I wanted to work for one of the premier companies. And but I had no network, no, uh, no where to start. I, I had no idea how to, how to do that, but that's, I knew that that's what I wanted. And I thought it would take me five years to get there. And then that's, that's what such a game changing catalyst break line is. And, and the fact, again, it was just sort of written in the stars for us that we had a, a buddy of ours found out about break line, the very, <laughs> very first cohort through a service to school email and networking was like, Hey, I just heard about this thing and it sounds perfect for you. And yeah. And then the rest, I mean, so, so can you, can you hit, can you hit our listeners with a little bit of a mic drop moment? Can you tell us what you're doing right now in the tech industry? Cause we want to fast forward and see where this all landed. So can you yeah. give us like a, a, a 15 second sound bite as what your, what your role is and what you do? Yep. So I am the head of product for our site reliability and cloud engineering organization for PayPal. So we are really the foundational platform. Think of us as the engine room for all of PayPal's ecosystem. So everything when you're sending money on Venmo, when you're trying to get a coupon hookup on Honey, when you're trying to do that, like that's all got to go through an entire foundation of, of platforms. We're trying to bring this entire, this this ecosystem of technologies together. And so it's it's been an incredible experience. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot so of you, fun. So, you, so you're saying things panned out all right for you is what you're telling us. <laughs> I could not have even imagined I'm at where I'm at now. Um, thinking about where we were Hannah would, would love to hear for you as well. What was that transition from the military like for you? Yeah, I'm still thinking back, Heather, clicking through the, I think the Breakline website at the time had like a red- It was a single page. It was a single page or something. It had like a red theme to it. Now to think we're doing a podcast today is pretty neat. So well done, Breakline team. <laughs> yeah. um, not too shabby. 
But uh, yeah, uh, so for me, oh wow. I think, you know, we spend about, at least in, in my job at the time, so about six months out of each year away. And Heather and I, when she was still in, had actually both been deployed at the same time, offset, like not even any overlapping, like it was the worst. And so we ended up spending like 14 months apart or something. And we had a really hard time reconnecting after that, figuring out what our relationship meant and what our careers meant. And it was really kind of a, it was a really a shaping moment in my life because Heather, you know, Heather, Heather really challenges everyone that she's in a relationship with friendships or otherwise like to just show up and Heather shows up. And for me, I kind of just like figured out like, okay, like how, how do I want to show up? How can I show up after we just spent all this time apart and we're having trouble connecting? What's, what are we going to do next? And I realized to do that, I really have to, I really have to figure out who I am. I have to figure out who I am as a person and, and what matters to me most. And so that really was like, that, that, that really was a big part of me when it comes to not only my military transition, but my gender transition. That was some of the first time that I started really looking introspectively at things that I had been thinking and feeling my whole life that I had not considered or repressed. And so really all these things just came to the surface for me. I mean, I still had like three years left on contract. So it was, so I was kind of working through these things in the midst of still very much being like operationally active. And so that's, that's when I shared with Heather that, you know, that I believe I'm transgender and Heather immediately rushed to my side and just accepted me wholly, like literally right after disclosing and sharing. And that was probably when I knew that it was time <laughs> to, to really like, if, if we're, if like to prioritize our family, which we were a family of two at the time. And so I still had a couple years left at that point and another deployment. It was, it was a very tough de deployment. And so it was really on that deployment that kind of solidified for me. It was a deployment doing something I had come into the Marine Corps always wanting to do. And I got a chance to do that at one of the highest levels. I thought leveraging all the skills that I had. And so I just feel really fortunate to be able to go on that deployment and lead Marines, get that experience and kind of like my transition was wide eyed. I, and especially cause Heather blazed, blazed the trail. I kind of knew what I was leaving behind and I was excited to start something new. And, and we, we were pregnant at the time. So I just wanted to be a part of the family's life. And I knew that was the most important thing. So I did break line while I was still active duty. I think we were joking around in the prep call that I was so awkward in my Lauren Fall like prep screens. And she's like, Who are you? And I was like, Oh god. It's like, it's like That's a very deep question. Like, Lauren, Lauren, you don't even know. I was like, no, don't add, don't, 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 don't. Because I was I was still very much figuring out what it meant for me. You know, and it's interesting, I guess it kind of comes full circle circle here is like the things that were privileges in the Marine Corps also made me think that those were core tenets to my success. So when I transitioned into a role at Facebook, which Breakline was amazing in helping facilitate, 
I really was drawn to leadership. But some of the questions I was asking myself as I was transitioning to be as to live and work as an out transgender woman was like, okay, I only have success in leading a lot of people as a man and a very like, is that really part of my success? Is that, is that, and I, I kind of came to a place where I thought that I, I really believed that that was, that I didn't, I maybe couldn't do it as my authentic self. And so fast forward a couple of years at Facebook, I, I was super fortunate to, you know, be put in a leadership role as, as a manager after a year or so, and then transition after we had our second child at work and to, and this was just, this is like four months ago or a couple months ago, but like to have that truth completely ripped away, what I thought was a truth, just be completely torn down and be like, hey, like have an amazing community, both in the workplace and at home that is supportive and like affirming and encouraging and to really not, not see myself struggle the way that I thought I would if I lived, if I came out as my authentic self has been one of the most profound experiences of my life. And so that's kind of how I ended up where where we are today. And break is definitely a big part of that as far as like just helping me find my way and in, in really I mean, even for even for a non transgender person, I feel like just transitioning out of the military is like you kinda have to figure out who you are and what you want. I think what you want is the biggest the, the biggest challenge and that doesn't stop. <laughs> um, first job. So there's so many there's so many elements of what you just shared that I want to go back and unpack. One of the moments that I would love to hear just your thoughts or more insight on, what was it like leading up to that moment where you had that conversation with Heather about stepping into your full identity of, of, of who you are right now as a transgender woman. Absolutely. Um, I talked about a lot about our deployment and our time apart and really kind of recovering and healing after that. And so a big part of that, I didn't do, I didn't do any of this on my own. Like we got into therapy and that was extremely impactful. We still do therapy. That continues to be like such a huge part of our life. But specifically for me, that was when I really started asking questions. And like one of the many things that I learned is like, hey, if, if, if we're gonna make this work, if we're gonna survive together and build a life together, like I need to be honest with you. I need to share my experiences with you. I need to stop compartmentalizing things. I need to just stop worrying about what I think you wanna hear, what I think I wanna hear from myself and who I think I should be. And so a lot of that was going back and examining and kind of also just sharing that truth with Heather and having that conversation with her and saying, if I don't share this with you, we are not going to survive. If I don't, it was, it was actually kind of a simple decision at this time because for our relationship, it was like, hey, I can either just tell her this really messy thing that I think most people will likely reject and it might get me left. You know, we might not survive, but either way, I would just be delaying the inevitable if I didn't share it with her. And so I, we got to that place and, and I was, yeah. And I shared with you and it was by no means like, it was a long process. Yeah. It was a journey. I think, think, you know, a lot of times when we share our story or, you know, and, and as we've come out, 
over the last couple of years, you know, we get a lot of questions from friends and family, well-intentioned questions, but questions around, you know, what was the moment like? Yeah. And it's like, it's really not in the same way that I feel like we fell in love. It just, it just happened. We evolved, you know, I was already in love with Hannah as a person. Like Hannah mm. is my person. It was, I mean, truly, like, I feel like we were destined for each other. I believe that, you know, like our, <laughs> and whatever higher being you believe in or whatever you believe in, I, you know, I believe that, you know, that she was put into my life for a reason. And it, and I fell in love and that love just continues to grow and evolve. And so, and we as individuals grow and evolve. And I, I feel like that was part of her transition and her realization and her discovering herself was really, no, you know, it, it, it is a big deal, but it also isn't. Like we, we, I had already made that, you know, that decision that she was my person and I was, nothing was going to, change that um and and so i could see that she was struggling i could see that she was really trying to figure out who she was and what she wanted out of life and you know she, i knew that she had chosen me but something still felt you know off and mm -hmm. as she began to, to share and get in touch with her true self like i felt like a little bit more of her started to show started to come out like we started chipping away at the armor that she had built up around herself and but you know i had already made my decision and at that point right well you were stuck with me <laughs> i'm so i'm so glad y'all had us do this together because like i was telling heather like yeah it's so it's so amazing to have a partner that's like a third party to to my own transition because you ask me and i think i want to like tell you some elevator pitch you know about how our story but it's like a thousand conversations that are hard over a long period of time. Yeah. And the beauty, I guess, of having of being close and having those thousand conversations is that there doesn't need to be. It really is kind of like a beautiful way of just like discovering each other to where. While it seems like to others like a huge shock and a huge surprise, potentially for us, it's like this is us. We've been talking about us and we've been growing together um, for years. And so a big part that a big change for us, though, was it got to a point where it was asking a lot of Heather to be kind of having this to be carrying it on alone. And so a big a big change for us was sharing with friends and family, which was a real shift. And it was really amazing to see everyone show up. And us. we wanted to do that for our children. Too. And we wanted to do that for we, our children. You know, we wanted our children to be able to grow up as their authentic selves, no matter what that meant. And, you know, it, children learn by, you know, doing what, doing what, you know, by, by seeing what you do, you know, like you can, you can tell them to live one way, but if you're living your life a different way, right, that's children learn by, by, by example. And so we wanted to, we wanted to live by example. We wanted to, you know, show up in the way that we wanted totally. it, yeah for themselves right and like, kids are we, such a visual reference point for time like i was watching <laughs> i was watching bill grow up and i was like oh my god like 
I'm not living, you know, like I'm watching him get bigger. And so so by the time Ruby was born, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm Hannah. That's it. Like, let's, let's see this baby girl. Like, this is our family. Welcome. (laughs) Like, it's like, and so that it just felt like progress to us. Yeah. I feel like your family has such an inspiring story. And one of the things that I'm just touched by is just the level of trust the level of introspection, just the amount of love that each one of you has had to demonstrate for yourselves individually, but also to role model and to share with each other. And this is why I think it was so important to to share the story that you've just shared in the way in which you shared it. Because the last question that I wanted to ask deals with just folks who may be trying to figure out different family dynamics, different situations, they have questions. And Hannah, I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I think more people than we know struggle, struggle deeply to answer that question of who are you? How do we present ourselves to the world? How do we step more fully into the person that we were brought here to be. And that's something that you've had to navigate, it's something that your family's had to navigate. What's your word of encouragement for those folks out there that may be listening to your story and uh, have not made it as far along on this journey as your beautiful family has? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, there's, there's no template for family. There's no, I think, I think that's, that's something that I, you know, we, we still struggle with, you know, is, is kind of the culture around, maybe it's American, I, I don't know, but the, the culture around family and the expectations around, um, around what that looks like. And I guess really simply, like, I just encourage, I just encourage folks to think about what they want um and who they are and focus focus on themselves yeah i I don't know so i mean and and you're doing a great job because i think i feel like yeah I, i think that's one of the great things about having this platform is the ability to empower others with our stories and i think particularly as we stand in celebration of pride month and we and we think about, you know, the unique experiences that so many of our listeners, so many of our friends, so many of our families are going through. I think the huge part of the reason that I was excited to to sit and have this conversation with the two of you is, and we kind of shared this during our pre-call too, I, I don't know of any other demographic as you think about Black History Month, as you think about Hispanic Heritage Month, as you think about the veterans experience. These are all things that are, you know, you never have to come out as a black person. You know, you, you just you just mm. show up, right? You just you just there. And it's, you know, it's it's a very tangible part of your experience. But as we think about Pride Month, as we think about the LGBTQ um, A plus community, there's we're at a place in society where there is so much consternation really for lack of a better word because of societal pressures because of you know 
the way in which we choose to accept others as a society. Mm -hmm. So for those who are listening, who are fighting the good fight, who are trying to figure out how they show up every day as the best version of themselves, however that may be, what's that wisdom? What's that, what's that insight that you, and this is for both of you all, because you both are living it. You both are living it. We'd love to hear whatever those words of encouragement may be. Take up space. Mm. Okay. Take up space. Okay. I, think, okay. I don't know if that resonates with anyone, but one of the biggest challenges for me has been just realizing it's okay to take up space. Like, it's okay to say what you, what you want. I think that's, that might have been one of the biggest challenges for me and a unique challenge to being um, transgender or non-binary is you have to ask for how you want to be treated. You have to tell others, you know, and I think that's a unique part of, you know, and it's definitely unique for, for the community as well, but definitely in my experience was I just had to get comfortable with taking up space, saying, I'm Hannah, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Great to meet you and kind of going out there and like planting my flag, which I was so uncomfortable with because I never had to do that at any point in my life. And Heather, like, you know, Heather was just amazing in, in watching her do that through our relationship and then also just supporting me through that. But I think this relates to the earlier question as well around, you know, if you have figuring out family dynamics or non-traditional families is like, just take up space. Like, it's okay to, Give your family, like, ask and take what your family needs and advocate for yourself. And then um, I think that's kind of salient. Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, love is love. Love is love, right? It's yeah. like, I, I, it's, you know, Hannah's my person and nothing was going to change that for me. And, you know, even though we didn't see a template or an example of a family that looked just like us, I we we held on to hope that we could build we could you know we could build the life that we wanted that we wanted for for us that we wanted for our children that we wanted for others right like we we had hope we continue to have hope and it's not you know we're incredibly incredibly lucky and grateful for the fact that we have such a supportive community because that's not everyone's story and mm -hmm. you know we and it certainly hasn't been easy i don't want to paint everything as if everything was rosy and smooth the whole time because it certainly wasn't um but uh you know we we've just had a lot of and then we've had a lot of gratitude along the way and we just at the end of the day like you know, this is our love, this is our life. And, you know, we're, we're just, we're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. And I want to thank y'all for, you know, I think, I think it's just the importance of visibility, the significance of that, you know, like, I think we were talking in the prep call, like four years ago, like if I would have heard or seen someone like, like us, uh, like kind of like, you know, along the journey, I would have been really encouraged. And I did see so that was kind of my encouragement back then was those who were visible. Um, that that encouraged me greatly. Um, that made me think like, oh my gosh, there are people out there in the world who are doing it. And 
and it it really gave me the strength all the folks that have come before and so um i yeah i appreciate you you know honoring this this month well what i will tell you is you all have inspired me and the amount of courage that it takes to share your story to be vulnerable to be the highest form of your authentic self it truly is has been something special just to be a part of and my hope for all of our listeners uh, that have joined us here in the arena is that as you listen to Heather and Hannah's story that you're encouraged to step into the fullest version of yourself because when you do you empower others to do the same and so to you too I say thank you it has been such a treat spending time with your beautiful family I hope y'all enjoy this here vacation I know we done took up time on your vacay so I hope you get a chance to enjoy all of that too but in all seriousness thank you all so much for for carving the time out to our listeners hey if you liked what you heard you already know we're gonna ask you to do hey one of three things if you could like if you could subscribe if you could share if you could tell a neighbor tell a friend we want to continue to get these stories out there we want to continue to share the good news and the good word and thank you so much for taking time out to, to listen to the stories of our breakline community we will be signing off from breakline hq and we'll do it all again folks see you next tuesday and have a blessed and wonderful day Take it easy, folks.